0: Good morning, good shepherd. Whether you are live at Moss or live stream, I'm Talbot Davis, the pastor here, and this is the very first Sunday of wish list cuz we all have things we want for Christmas and maybe some things we don't want for Christmas, but we all have a list that includes stuff and excludes other things. And so that's what we're going to be that's how we're going to be framing and thinking about Christmas between now and the end of the year. Today's message is called The Way We Were. The first message in the series, The Way We Were. Yes, Barbara Streisand sang it, and it comes from, in the New Testament, the book of Galatians. And so if you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to locate the book of Galatians, chapter 4, and verses 8 through 20. And maybe your Bible looks like this, or maybe your Bible is loaded on your phone, which is great. We love it when that happens. Or maybe you didn't bring a Bible that looks like this and it's not on your phone because you got a thousand other apps on your phone. And, and if that's the case, that's okay as well because the words are going to be up on the screen at just the right time. And it's really important to us that you be able to see the scripture for yourself on a, on a Sunday or any other day because of kind of the ways that we think about the Bible at this church. And, and one of those ways that we think about the Bible here is our awareness that Even though it looks like a book, the Bible is fundamentally, categorically not a book. It's a library. It's a lot of books written by a lot of authors over more than a thousand year span of time and in multiple writing styles. And when we're looking at the book of Galatians, we're actually looking at a letter. And the letter was written by Paul, pastor, missionary, author. and He has a lot of churches named after him around the world that are called St yes saint paul church and and uh, this is a letter that he wrote to a collection of churches there's not just one Galatian church there were several of them and Galatia was in a region of of uh, what is today Turkey and the people who lived there they were and this you'll need to know they were uh not Jewish they were what we were would call Gentiles so they have kind of been brought into the faith in Jesus from what are commonly called more pagan kind of religions and all that really matters for what ends up happening in the book of Galatians. And those are just facts that I've told you about what the Bible is and what it's not. And the second thing that we believe about the Bible moves into that realm of something we just deeply treasure. It's a great conviction here. You may share it or you may not, but wherever you are on that, we like to be honest with what we are, where we are, In leadership here, we believe there's no other library like this on planet Earth, that God breathed his life into its word, he put his truth onto its pages, the Bible really is inspired, eternal, and true. And because we believe that here, when we're talking about the Bible, we do kind of a strange thing, we lift it up, and again, if you haven't ever been here before, and you're looking around, and there's phones and Bibles in the air, and you're like, this is just kind of strange. We don't get defensive about it. We admit it, it is strange, but we've discovered something even better, that this is a moment of oddity that shapes our identity as a community that we're a collection of people joyfully surrendered to the authority of the word and ready for its power to be unleashed in our lives, amen? Amen. And so before I say another word, we're gonna pray, and before I pray, just look to the person to your left and then look to the person to your right, may have to look across a row, and even if you're thinking, hey, you probably need this message more than I do, buddy. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> but what I do want you to do is, uh, as I pray, I want you to pray for the person on your left and pray for the person on your right that God would genuinely speak to them through what's getting ready to happen. And then I'll wrap us up in prayer. So Lord, thank you that prayer is not a spectator sport. It's a participant privilege. So I ask that everyone we've prayed for would genuinely hear a word from you. And I just offer myself, my my thoughts, my mannerisms, my very being, and, and, and I do that acknowledging and celebrating that I really am powerless without you, but because of you, I'm never helpless. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, here is what uh, something that I am almost positive true is true of almost all of you live and almost all of you live stream when it comes to Christmas 2021. And the reason I know that it's true Christmas 2021 is because it was also true in Christmas of 2020. And it's this. That if, ask, that if I were to ask you, what do you want? What would you like for Christmas? What is at the top of your wish list? The vast majority of you would say, I would just like to go back to the way things were. I would just like to go back to the way that life was. I don't know. What month was it? Maybe like February of 2020 if I could just go back to what life was like before masks, before distancing, before shots, before divisions within families over who believes what or who has taken what, I'd like to go back to that time before people gave me surly looks for wearing a mask in public or they gave me surly looks for not wearing one. I just would like to go back to the way things were. And, and, and beyond sort of those almost surface level kind of matters that make us long for, have this nostalgia for yesterday, even deeper, when I ask you what, what would you like for Christmas, what's on your wish, would you like to go back to the way things were before you had long haul COVID? Before you had to say goodbye to that person it killed, almost in the prime of their lives. Before you had to live through all the division this has brought maybe within your very household and maybe within your extended family and you don't know if you'll ever be back to normal. Yeah, if I could, I surely would go back to the way things were. And as, and as acutely as we feel that when it comes to the, this era of COVID, the, the sense of nostalgia, the sense of longing that so many of us have for yesterday, man, it, it goes back, it, it's deeper than just COVID. It started before COVID did. Man, a lot of you know that I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and, and I went through this season as a young adult where I just longed, long, and I went away for college and I never went back. And I just went through the season as a young adult. I just longed if only I could live in Dallas again. Never mind the fact that the city was totally different than what I remembered. And the fact that Julie and I had a healthy marriage was probably due to the fact that we lived in between both sets of parents and not dominated by either one. Can I hear an amen? And, and maybe it's the same with you. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a home town for you maybe it's that same small town in each of us and you have this longing for that these rose-colored glasses with which you look at yesterday And, and maybe it's not so much a place maybe it's even a person there was a love that you had and a love that you lost and a love that went sour and went south and maybe I know this is true that for a lot of you there was that that first love that all of us deserve which is the love for mom and dad and in all too many cases the love that we all deserve comes with strings attached maybe even comes mixed up with some abuse and, and your longing is for the, the, the thing you wish you had, the thing you almost had, but the very approval you most wanted from mom and dad was the thing they were most skillful at withholding. And so, yeah, it's you and it's, and it's me and it is related to COVID, but it's much deeper than COVID. There are so many ways in, in which we are defined by our sense of nostalgia. We long for this thing, the way that life was yesterday, the way we were. However, except a lot of times the past, that we long for what near as great as we make it out to be. A lot of times we look back in our rear view mirror of life and we put on some rose colored glasses and we don't even realize how sick we are being when we do so. A lot of the times that yesterday that we long for what was really kind of this toxic brew of unhealth. This is why so many people, and you know this, why so many people who are raised by abusers marry abusers. That's why so many people who are raised in a home characterized by alcoholism grow up and they get involved in one relationship after another with people who are themselves hello, alcoholic. Because we we're propelled. By these forces, we're not even aware what's going on inside us. And we have this yesterday, we have this before, and it wasn't very good, and it made us really sick, but there's something so deep inside us that we long for it anyway. We we go back to what's familiar, even when what is familiar is killing us from the inside out. Yeah, you've, you've heard me say this before, but it's never not true that a lot of people prefer the certainty of misery to the misery of uncertainty. We have this familiar, and even when it's killing us, we go back to the well one time after another. And if that's you, the, the, the good news is that you're not the first and the sad news is that you likely won't be the last. And, that the, and the gospel news is that this whole phenomenon of longing for a past that really was bad for you has this surprising appearance in the New Testament. Be, because as we get to the, the book of Galatians, and, and remember, as I mentioned earlier, calling it the book of Galatians is really a misnomer. It's the letter to the Galatians, a letter that was not written to us, but was preserved for us. And as we get to chapter four of Galatians, Paul, the author, he, you're kind of lucky we didn't look at chapters one through three because he spent three chapters getting mad at the Galatians. And I mean really mad, he even even calls them, you foolish Galatians. This is not really recommended if you wanna win friends and influence people, but Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So God has his his hands all over it. So Paul has been mad at the Galatian churches. And do you know why he has been mad at the Galatian churches? Because, because they have fallen under some sway, some teaching, some false teaching, that they had to add something to Jesus in order to make their salvation legitimate and complete. And in the case of the Galatians, this is really strange, because you may remember that, that, that I told you they were pagans, they were Gentiles, they were not Jewish. And yet the teaching that has infiltrated their church and influenced them as individuals and as congregations was that they had to be Jewish in order to be legitimately Christian. So the men had to get circumcised, everybody had to eat kosher, and only if you do this, they were taught and they believed, can you be legitimately a follower of Jesus. And and after getting mad at them for that, for three chapters, Paul's Paul's not quite ready to let it go. And look what he, because he never is, Look, look what he says, in, in, in verses 8 and 9, and it's so cool, we're going to see is it, the, the dictation process at work by which Paul writes his letters. I think I've told some of y'all before that Paul didn't sit down and write his letters with pen and paper. He didn't sit at a keyboard. Instead, he, he dictated it. He had a scribe and Paul would walk around and dictate his letter. And there's just occasions in Bible where you can see that leap off the page. Look at verse 8 and 9. Formerly, When you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. Hey, Galatians, back before you met me, back before you encountered Jesus, you worshiped little statues, pagan idols, and they enslaved you. They weren't really gods, they were just, they enslaved you because they were false gods. And and they knew their gods with names like Baal, and Molech, and Zeus. And Athena, and we think of modern parallels, and I don't know, might have names like Apple, and Amazon, and Facebook, and Twitter, these things that have an inordinate power over our lives and hold on our time. That's what's going on. And, and, and then Paul says in verse 9, But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? I, I, I love this because Paul, remember Paul, he's dictating his letter and he's walking around and the scribes writing everything down and, and Paul's getting caught up in the moment and he's, he's talking to think. He's not thinking to talk, he's talking to think and, and, and it comes out of, the, out of his mouth. Well, now that you know, by, know God and then he walks around, oh, oh, oh dash, dash, or rather you're known by God, he says. He, he corrects himself in the middle of the sentence. And it's his way of, of acknowledging what I just said was a half truth. You, you know God, but the deeper truth is that you're known by God. And it is just so fun to see that process actually at work. I, I don't know about you, but, but I think that the Bible is a lot more interesting when you know the stories behind the stories And also when you even know how the books came to be. And what do we make of of the content? We had a little bit of fun. At least I thought it was fun. A little bit of fun with how Paul wrote it. But what about the content of what he said? He is saying the most daring. He's making the most daring assertion. Look at what he says again. How is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? You know what he's saying? He's saying, you were idol worshipers. And now that you've been swept up in Jewish rituals, circumcision, kosher, whatever. It's like you're idol worshiping all over again. And do you realize how stunning that is? Because the whole, the the foundation of, of Judaism is you shall have no other gods. Do not make for yourself an idol. And what Paul is saying is when you add anything to Jesus, when your faith is Jesus plus anything, automatically that anything is enslaving you and that anything is idolatry. And The reason that anything is enslaving you and that anything is idolatry is because in the case of the Galatians, It made them aware of their sin, but it gave them no power to overcome it. And that's what the law does. It it makes you feel guilty for all the ways you're falling short, but it doesn't give you the power of grace to live any differently. And then that, that phrase, do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You may want to underline that, all over again. Hey, Galatians, you had freedom in Jesus. You you were free from the bonds of idolatry and now you've just kind of fallen back into it all over again. You, You had a living relationship with Jesus Christ and now you're in a relationship with a dead religion all over again. And my goodness, is not that sense of all over again? All around us, some of you, some of you were able to break free of that toxic relationship and now you've fallen back into it all over again. Some of you were were able to develop enough inner strength that you didn't need mom and dad's approval and yet when you found yourself around them, you just were begging for it all over again. Some of you. Some of you, you had, you had six months sober? You had a year sober? Two years sober and you're like, oh, I, am, I am doing so good. I bet I can drink socially now. And you realize you can't. And you're back in it all over again. It was the Galatians. It was you. It is me. It is one of the saddest calls in all of scripture. How people can have freedom and then yet have this nostalgia for a past that's actually killing you from the inside out. And you fall into it all over again and the way that Paul offers the Galatian church and churches and, and the way he offers you and me, any hope at all, you, you skip down to same chapter, chapter four, but verses 17 and 18, because look at what Paul does there. He, he's talking about these teachers who have infiltrated the church and influenced the Galatians. Those people, meaning the ones who've said, hey, Galatians, Jesus alone isn't enough. It's now Jesus plus Judaism those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. By the way, if there's anybody in your life who does seek to alienate you from your circle of friends or even from your family of origin, whoo, run away. They're, they're alienating you from, that, from your circle so that they can dominate your tomorrow, verse 18. It's fine to be zealous, Provided the purpose is good and to be so always, not just when I'm with you, my dear children. Here's, here's where it really he, he, he gets to the meat, of the meat of it all. Verse 19, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth. Paul, come on. You're a guy. You don't know what childbirth is like. So we'll, we'll give him a pass there because again, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit. For whom I'm again, I'm in the pains of childbirth. But look, until... Christ is formed in you. Ah, this is the labor that Paul goes through because to a church that is sort of obsessed with their past, plagued with their nostalgia, Paul says, oh, no, 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 no. That Christ is formed in you. I am laboring. I am endeavoring. It is almost like I'm having a baby because I want Jesus to be formed in you. I don't want you to be so caught up in those behaviors from yesterday that trapped you because God has something in the future in mind for you. And even in our situation, when we think, man what's at the top of my wish list for Christmas 2021? I just want to go back to the way we were. Well, if you are dominated by that kind of thought, do you realize that you are missing out on the ways, you're not looking for the ways that God wants to massage something unbelievably good out of this situation that has been undeniably bad? Did you catch that? That even in the worst of situations and a two-year pandemic 20 month pan y'all remember when it's two weeks (laughs) two weeks to flatten the curve Uh uh-huh So even in a two-year pandemic, I know this, Good Shepherd, there are ways that God is using that as the raw material from which he wants to massage something unbelievably good in your life and in my life out of this thing that is undeniably bad. And Paul says that the only way we'll ever see it, the only way we'll ever know it, the only way we will ever live into it is if we're able to stop looking at the past with all these rose-colored glasses, I just want to go back to the way we were and realize that deep inside every one of us, God has planted something and someone that Christ would be formed in us. Here's what I want you to know, Good Shepherd. Here's what it's all about. Don't let your nostalgia steal your potential. Don't, Allow your preoccupation with the time before, a time before that probably wasn't all that great to begin with, to rob you of what it is that God wants to do do in you and through you tomorrow. So many times our preoccupation with the past ruins our anticipation of tomorrow. And I believe God has brought you here and God has brought me here to rid us of that so that we would know, yeah, let me look, let me look at my past with sober judgment, N- not with rose colored glasses and not, get this, not always only for all the ways I was a victim. But let me look at my past with sober judgment so that I can look at my future through godly lens, realizing that, yeah, that wherever I am, whoever I am, that God does have a design in my life. God, God does have a tomorrow for my life. And we have this incredible privilege of surrendering to it and living it out. Don't let your nostalgia steal your potential. because. You, every one of you, you have a potential. Do, do you know? Do you know what the potential you is is really like? The, the potential you is a, a little bit like the the game of Scrabble. You know how Scrabble works. My mom was a really good Scrabble player until she was hundred and one. <laughs> And now that she's 106, she's sort of hung up the square. She's not playing a lot of Scrabble these days. But do you know how Scrabble works? It's the words are already there. The words are there on the board, in the game. They're just waiting for the right person to come along at the right time for the right bonus points to discover and reveal what's there all along. And the same is true of you. There is a, potent, there's a you who's sober. There's a you who no longer has the knack of ruining the best relationships that were ever given to you. There's a you who no longer has to look at the Bible as some kind of foreign territory, only made for the religious people, but the Bible is for you. There's a you Who has the strength and has the wherewithal to get over the wounds from the past, to break the cycles in which you were raised, and so that what you give to your your own children is so different from what your mom and dad gave to you? There's a you with the potential to do all of that. Don't let your nostalgia steal your potential. There, there's, a you, there's a you that can be open to the ways that God is gonna take pandemic and he's gonna massage something unbelievably good out of this undeniable bad. You know what I've seen over, over the, really over the last 20 months or so that we've had two weeks, tw- not 20 months, okay. You, you know what I've seen? I have seen, I've noticed in this community and beyond, remarkable increases, remarkable growth in people's level of biblical fluency. It's thrilling to see. It, it is thrilling to, to see the, the people of Good Shepherd begin to look at their lives through biblical lens so that they make decisions on finances and on relationships and on forgiveness and on parenting. And they make their decisions not based on what some influencer tweets, but on what scripture says. And it has been thrilling to see that happen. That is an unbelievable good that God has massaged out of an undeniably bad situation. And, and I just, well, I, I want to invite, we, we have a, a, a thing that we call reading prompts. It's actually called the Word Before the World. And hundreds of people at this church and beyond receive the Word Before the World every morning by 7 a.m. in their email inbox. And because, and, 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 you know, when you begin, did you know that if you start the day in the world Whoa, who, what am, what am I gonna be outraged about today? Let me check. Who, who commented on my post last night? Let me check. You start your day in the world and your day will be filled with chaos and stress and anxiety, but you start your day in the word? You say, that stuff can wait. Let me see what the Lord has for me today and you're part of a community. Man, the rest of your day is characterized by perspective, and serenity and don't we all need a lot more perspective and a huge dose of serenity can I hear an amen for that and and these reading prompts we're going to throw the ad the email address up on the screen if you go to gsumc.org slash email you can go ahead and do it right now and 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 and, uh, you you scroll down to reading prompts there's a number of different email options you can sign into but go to reading prompts and tomorrow we're in the book of ecclesiastes it's in the old Testament but tomorrow by 7 a.m., like clockwork, uh, it'll be in your email inbox and you will join this community of people who are starting their days not in the world, but in the word and who are allowing God not to allow their nostalgia to ruin their potential or to steal their potential. And this whole, this notion of your potential, the, the, the you that's in there, Just so you know that it is a a lot less of a microwave and a lot more of a crock pot. That God doesn't zap you into maturity. He marinates you into it. And so many times you don't even realize it's happening until you've taken more strong steps than you ever realized you could. Don't let your nostalgia steal your potential because you know what I want to have happen in the lives of the people of Good Shepherd I, I just pray that just before you go to bed at night and you look back on your day and you do a searching and a fearless moral inventory of your day and you realize as, as you look back over that day that you started it in the word and not in the world And you realize that you didn't have an unnecessary fight with your mate. And you have the awareness that you didn't yell at your kids or kick the dog. And you didn't send an unhealthy text. And you didn't have too, too many beers. Instead, you were able to share your faith with people you love. You were able to restrain those impulses for the glory of God. And you can't wait to wake up in the morning and do it all over again. And your nostalgia will not have taken one bit of your potential. Let's pray. So Father, thank you for the potential you've loaded into each one of us. And I ask that you would give us the the power never to have the nostalgia take it from us that we're so preoccupied with yesterday, we, we fail to anticipate tomorrow. But do this in the lives of the people that just mold us and shape us by your word and because you're worthy. We give all of this to you in the name and for the sake of Jesus. And everyone says